a big country, we've always had some space for the eccentrics and the crackpots and scolds, really starting with the Puritans. We've made folk heroes out of the rogue and the loner, the huckster and the wacky believer, but recently it feels as if these outliers, the credulous, the fantasists and conspiracy theorists, have taken over the ship of state. And Kurt Anderson set out to find out what that means. When serious science is being sidelined as a plot, when a good education makes someone a dangerous elitist, Anderson says we've moved past healthy skepticism to a crisis of unhealthy, uninformed dogmatism. In his book, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, the author and one-time New Yorker writer goes looking for how that practical, level-headed, sensible America lost its way. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. This is aspirational America, where we say you can be anything you want. But this book is actually about how Americans think they can believe anything they want. And I mean anything. It is. And, 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 of course, they are free to believe anything they want, and that is part of what makes America great. But this is beyond that legal freedom of thought. This is, this is I can, I can uh, believe that every opinion or hunch I have is equivalent to a fact. That, that's, the, that's the American problem. So what were our founding fantasies about ourselves in this country? Well, the, 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 first of all, I mean, the new world, as it was understood by our, our English forebears, uh, was, uh, was a blank slate. Uh, it was a, this blank slate on which all kinds of fictional creations could be imagined. The Puritans' theocratic utopia, um, the, the people who went to Virginia, in, in the same, even before the pilgrims, to find gold, that there was gold and silver and jewels to be had for the plucking, which turned out not to be true. And more generally, that uh, you could come here and, and absolutely throw off life as it existed and leave civilization and, and, and be whomever you wanted to be, pretend to be whomever you wanted to be, and then as time went on, sell whatever you wanted to sell, uh, because this is the land of freedom and opportunity, and part of that freedom and opportunity involved uh, charlatans and suckers. Don't we make a distinction between sensible dissent and sort of silly dissent? Do we think that all outcasts are heroes and not sometimes just crazy people? That's tough to do. Be, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the, the hurly-burly of the marketplace of ideas, where, where that doesn't, those distinctions don't get easily made. For a few hundred years, with you know, extremes and exceptions uh, up and down, we, I think this country had a pretty good sort of de facto system in place for for sticking to the to the relatively straight and narrow and 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 you know uh yes there was always an anti-establishment impulse and anti-elite and anti-intellectual and all those things but by and large the 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 people who actually knew things were were allowed to remain in control and 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 say no this is nonsense or this is hogwash and until the, those those old uh, impulses that I can believe absolutely anything I want and you can't tell me different uh, sort of arose out of control 40 or 50 years ago. Well, the country was created in the age of enlightenment, the age of rationality. Yeah. And we had in, among the founding fathers people who were profound rationalists, who were men of, of science. So yeah. how did the margins break into the mainstream and how often has that happened? It depends what you mean by the margins. I mean, people who believed whatever the 
18th century or 19th century equivalent to uh, the Martians have landed and taken me away did not break into the mainstream. And, and, and to me, that's what was good about our system for a long time. Um, but, but, but take abolitionism. Abolitionism was a kind of fringe idea at, in, say, 1800, and by 1830 and 1840 and 1850, it was no longer a fringe idea. So uh, good ideas that were, and, and, and moral ideas and correct ideas that were of a, of a political kind or a moral kind or a social kind that were stigmatized got managed managed to make their way in through uh you know years of activism and militants and writing and all the other things but here and there people were still allowed to push highly unorthodox ideas that turned out not to be true like the first great uh the world is about to end and uh armageddon's going to begin and jesus is returning the the, so, the so-called millerites in the 1840s and he attracted millions of followers and that didn't happen america is free free to to allow abolitionism to to rise and slavery to be uh outlawed free to allow every uh buddy who believes whatever nutty thing to to believe it we had our system where whereby the the elites uh did their best to 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 keep what they dismissed as wrong-headed or wrong or factually untrue so that you will be able to prepare what are you selling, Mr. Snake Oil? The world will come to a flaming end at midnight tonight. Without my help and knowledge, every one of you will be dead. All kinds of medical quackery and, and, uh, and wacky and exotic beliefs of all kinds um, that w- were permitted because, uh, as, as Thomas Jefferson said, as long as it doesn't uh, pick my pocket or break my leg. You're, you can believe in 20 gods or no gods. I don't care. And that was the way it worked. Uh, you talk about Disneyland in Las Vegas as kind of alpha and omega of Fantasyland, yes. too. Exactly. And both of them, what, what, as I described them, I mean, both of them, when they were founded uh, simultaneously, essentially, in the 1950s, um, seemed like strange, one-of-a-kind, one-off outliers out there in the West. In, in both cases, and especially in Disneyland to an extraordinary degree, they have become models and templates for, for great, large swaths of American life. I mean, uh, Main Street USA, to my mind, is the, in, at Disneyland, uh, is, is the, the kind of first model for uh, American urban and suburban development that followed. Um, and and of course Las Vegas was the pl- the place you could gamble uh, I- until the 1980s, and now there are a thousand casinos in the United States and uh, lotteries everywhere. So they were important uh, milestones in the history. And again, I-, I love Disneyland. I love Disney World. I mean, I- I'm, I'm not, not everything that I, I include in this history as as part of how we got here <laughs> is a bad thing. I like Vegas for that matter. Um, but but it, it, they're all pieces of this increasingly uh, fantastical world that we've uh, built for ourselves and makes the reality-based part of our culture uh, beleaguered. How is that a problem if we can inhabit our own fantasies? Um, or have we gotten to the point where there are public consequences to these private beliefs? Well, that's exactly the problem. I, again, 
doesn't pick my pocket or break my leg, go crazy. And live, live your private fantasies, whatever they may be, if they're private. But, for instance, when I decide that, uh, despite all scientific evidence, to the contrary, um, vaccines cause autism and stop vaccinating my children, or when I decide all scientific evidence to the contrary, that uh, um, climate change and global warming don't exist, and, and start uh, pressuring to have public policy uh, be legislated according to that belief, that becomes problematic. No, global warming, the most serious threat to our planet, or a plot to cheat, extort, and control you and everyone else. The most frightening, inconvenient conspiracy yet. The Global Warming Scam. I'm Jesse Ventura, and this is Conspiracy Theory. I think a good deal of the the um, the uh, politics that have, have made uh, gun regulation impossible over the last 40 years is born of various kinds of fantasies, and that's a problem. As long as it just affects you and your family even and, and your you're, you're the fellow members of whatever <laughs> tribe you uh, belong to, I, I have no problem. We've, we've gotten to a kind of cascade where, where nothing is impermissible, and, and it does bleed out into the, into the real world with real consequences. I'll tell you about a kingdom level beyond here, and if you want to go there, then you have to follow me because I'm the guy who's got the key at the moment. This is your chance. I'm here. I can take you out of here. I can lead you into that kingdom level above human. That can't happen unless you leave the human world that you're in and come and follow me. You look at the roots of this being in the 1950s, the 1960s, ideas that you can simply do your own thing. One example being the hippie compound living off the grid that has now become the survivalist. Uh, right. com from a commune to a compound, I suppose. And that's one example of that kind of relativism that you say now underpins conservative as well as liberal thinking in many places. Yeah, I don't want to do a, a both sides are equally guilty uh, thing, and it, but it, the history I'm talking about and the problems, problematic parts of it I'm talking about are not limited to right or left. Uh, they are highly asymmetrically right right now in in our politics but it's not a left versus simply a left versus right thing all these good things about america this skeptical instinct that was born of the enlightenment the anti-establishment instinct the all these things they're they're great they they are defining parts of what what truly made america great until they got wildly out of control over the last several decades. Survivalists are simply, uh, in, instead of believing that some kind of wonderful um, uh, revolution, uh, new age is about to dawn, believe that everything's about to collapse and go to hell. In many instances, there are these these two sides. My, my late New Yorker magazine colleague Michael Kelly uh, coined the phrase 20 years ago, fusion paranoia, to talk about how people of the general vague left and the, and the general right were, were meeting in, in their the shared paranoia about giant conspiracies that were uh, oppressing them. And, and indeed, the 90s uh, are, are when it, I think we reached our final tipping point. Uh, what sort of emerged, really, and blew up in the 60s and 70s, had a generation to spread, and then we had the Internet, and uh, we were off to the races or 
choose a new metaphor. <laughs> we, we were gone. Then you know? now we have a leadership which may see its role rather than keeping you know, the fantasies and the conspiracies at bay of maybe leveraging those for its own advantage. Well, exactly. Uh, I mean, certainly in, in the, I mean, leveraging them for their own advantage of various kinds, whether it's, it's media organizations, television channels, publishers who uh, put on uh, all kinds of material that they are selling as nonfiction that is clearly fiction, whether it's the, the real-life story of mermaids, the, the, the documentaries about mermaids or, or, or swamp monsters or books about um, um, alien abductions. In the case of the Republican Party, leveraging, as you say, the, the conspiracy beliefs of, of many of its most fervent partisans about a new war, world order or about how white people are really more subject to prejudice than black people, an absurd and dangerous and widely believed fantasy. To climate change is a is a conspiracy of liberals and scientists and foreigners to somehow um, cripple America. Really, a generation, I would say, from from the late 90s through very recently, the the, the rational, realist establishment in charge of the Republican Party uh, thought, oh, we can use this, and then suddenly they couldn't, and they suddenly weren't in control. How do you put all this back in the bottle with all of this happening? How do you run a country that depends on the rule of law, the existence of real facts, the veracity of math and science? I wish I knew that. And I, and I wish, and I, you know, I, I, at, the, at the end of my book, I, I, I talk about uh, some things we can do. I, I think what it, those of us in a position to have conversations like this in the public sphere should become less squishy, less permissive, like, well, you're entitled to that opinion. You aren't entitled to that opinion if you're expressing... At, uh, it as a fact, and it's true in our families, in the way we raise our children, in in uh, the, the 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 nutty brother-in-law who we don't want to get in a fight with because he believes his nutty things. So maybe there'll be a pendulum swing slightly, but I don't think we're going all the way back. I don't in the digital age. If if we can all get together and and we can, we can stop it from getting worse, I think that's true. This may be peak fantasy land. And I want to make clear to, uh, to people that I, 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 I was finished with the first draft of this book by the time he got nominated. So it wasn't written to be a, an explanation of Donald Trump. So he embodies every uh, argument I make uh, virtually. But if he hadn't been elected, if Hillary Clinton had been elected, if Bernie Sanders had been elected, whomever, the case I'm making for where we are and where we've gotten would still be the case. We would have simply missed the bullet of Donald Trump. Do you have a brief answer to someone who would say, hey, even if I believe it, look, we're still the most prosperous country in the world. We're the most powerful country in the world. So what are you griping about? We are that, although, uh, I, I, you know, the, 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 the last 20 years of, of flatlining wages and and increasing insecurity and inequality and all the rest makes makes me wonder if my my children will be able to say that in in 20 years but no i'm not saying that as a as a political economy we're goners yet we've got fixable problems uh, of of the infrastructure of of healthcare you name it that can be fixed they can't be fixed and and we're not going to remain the strongest best greatest country on earth if different halves of us can decide they live in, in a different world. It's not just that I, I wish more Amer- of my fellow Americans were reasonable and rational. I do. 
but but that there are real consequences in keeping America great, frankly, and whole and and functional. Bright light city, gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Kurt Anderson, thank you. My pleasure. That's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The audio is from MGM's movie Viva Las Vegas, from The End of the World as We Know It by REM on the IRS label, from the CBS television series Trackdown, and from the true TV show Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura. The voice of Marshall Applewhite, the leader of the suicidal Heaven's Gate cult, is from YouTube. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast. I am Pat Morrison.